Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, this morning, as we get ready to dive into the text, I want to pose for you all this morning a question, a thought. And maybe, a, maybe one that we haven't spent much time thinking about. But I I want to pose this question to you this morning, and I want us to to really dive in. I want us to focus. I want us to set aside any type of thing that might distract us. And I I want to hone in on some things this morning out of the text. And the question I want to start with is, how many of us in this room have we have ever stopped to consider the day that we will die? Do we reflect on our own deaths? And after that, what will occur? Where will we spend eternity? And the majority of us, I believe, do not think about this topic. You talk about a a water cooler killer conversation. People do not want to have this conversation. People don't like to, hey, you want to talk about the day you die? No, I do not. No, I I do not want to do that. I don't want to think about that. And, And especially young people don't think about this at all. Right? I didn't as a 15 year old I didn't care right I didn't think about that and the majority of us I think are so preoccupied with our daily lives and activities that that it's that it's not the subject that we think about and it's not really one we want to think about nevertheless the writer of Psalms chapter 90 verse 12 says teach us to number our days that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. We're called by the text to think about this. We're called by God to think about our numbered days so that we would be able to be wise about this life and to, to understand what's coming next. We are to understand that this world is not our permanent home. And like this is not something that's jaw-droppingly, oh my gosh, I've never thought about that. But we, all of us in the room know that barring the return of the Lord, every one of us are going to have to grapple with the red line of death. And then we're going to have to stand before the Lord. Psalms chapter 39 verse 4 says, Show me, O Lord, my end and measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. So you say, Caleb, why in the world are we talking about this? Because in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul grapples with this subject matter in the text. If you remember, as he wrote this letter to Timothy, he is in prison for preaching the gospel he is in prison for sharing the gospel with the masses and the authority of that day has put him into prison so we're going to continue our study through second timothy and we're going to be in chapter four today last week we saw paul in the most serious of terms and tones tells timothy not to preach a gospel that is false, he tells him he must stick to the word, stick close to the text, that he must not go off into gimmicks and foolishness in the pulpit. 
Rather, he must contend for the faith by preaching the word faithfully to the world that was around him. He went on and he said that there is coming a day when people are not going to stand for solid theological doctrinal teachings, but rather they will pursue or chase after teachings that stroke their own egos and tickle their ears and give them license to live in the sin that they choose to live in. So he was serious in this opening statement in chapter 4. Why was he so serious? Well, we find out as we continue to read in chapter 4, starting in verse 6, why the urgency in this chapter. Verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, the Lord is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on the day, on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us your word and revealing your truth to us. Help us to see it and to live by it. Help us, if if there's anyone that's here today that does not understand the gravity of eternity, that they would put their faith in you, that they would repent of their sins, that they would trust the gospel today. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Even after reading that couple of verses there, we might be still asking, what's the big deal? What's, the, what's his sense of urgency? Why is he so concerned? He knows that his time of departing is at hand. And that doesn't mean he's getting ready to get on a boat and sail away and, and, or a flight to a, somewhere else in the, in the world. He knows he's about to die. He knows that his time is short. He knows that he is about to meet God face to face. How do we know that? Well, we'll start. Let's unpack verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Poured out is the Greek word spendo, which means libation, or literally a drink offering to be offered or poured out to God himself. People would sometimes pour out cups of liquid on altars to deities in this day. And so he's, he's giving this illustration, I am like a drink offering being poured on the altar of God. And I am doing this by the sacrifice of my life. It is my ultimate worship to sacrifice my life for God. So Paul is saying here that his literal life is being poured out to God in these final moments. So this is why he's urgent. This is why Paul has this tone of urgency of preach the word. Don't fall short of this. Don't do any type of other gimmicks. There's going to be a season where people are going to do gimmicks and they're going to pull all these teachers in. Don't get lumped in with that kind of preacher. Stick to the word, Timothy. He's urgent. And oftentimes, if we know that our time is short, we'll gather our families together, we'll gather those we love together, and we'll tell them the most important things. We'll tell them the most important stuff. Because we know that our life is about to end. Now, this was not the case with my own father. 
his last words to my brother, he sat up in the bed and goes, David, don't be a hillbilly. And then laid down his last words. And my brother has not listened to that admonition. He is still a hillbilly. (laughs) David, if you hear this, if you're watching, if you're listening to this, you know it's the truth. So... Many times, though, people have deathbed moments where they tell everyone, they get everybody around, they say, this is the most important thing. And this is what Paul is doing to Timothy. He's saying, he's writing this letter out. This is the most important thing. Stick to preaching God's word. All that matters is Jesus. All that matters is his word. Do not fall for the foolishness and the trickery of the enemy. This is the most important. Philippians chapter 2 verse 17 says, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So I need you to hear me. Paul, although none of us in the room are looking for, like we're not like, you know, looking for the opportunity to die. Paul was not nervous. For a believer in Christ, our day of departure from this planet is not a terrifying moment. If you know people that have died in the Lord, they have a sense of peace that is absolutely stunning. Paul was not upset about this. He has been looking forward to this moment that he is ready to see King Jesus. He is ready to see the Savior that ransomed him. How do we know? Well, verse 7 tells us. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Oh, that we could say that in our last moments. Oh, that we as believers in Christ in this room that hear this message would stand firm in the idea and the thought process that God I have been faithful to your word. I have been faithful to be an example of a godly man or a godly woman. I have remained faithful. I have run this race well. Remember in Timothy's or in Paul's teachings, he tells people, he uses the idea of running like a race. This is a race, folks. We are running this for the longevity. And so many people in this marathon have petered out over the decades, over the centuries. Paul has said, I have not petered out. I have not fluffed out. I am focused on my prize i'm focused on the day when i finish the finish line when i cross that checkered flag of life i am going to say with all surety that i have remained faithful that i have loved christ that i have fought this fight well that i have run this race well paul is telling timothy don't weep for me i've done what god has put me here to do can we say that about ourselves Can we say that about ourselves? Have we done what God has put us here to do? In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul says this, but I consider my life of no value. No value to me. If only I may finish my course and complete the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus, the ministry of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So, so Paul understood his life was only to be used to glorify and magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Right. 
And he was put here for one reason. To talk about Jesus. To testify or talk about God's grace. Jesus Christ is the thing that we are to talk about. The advancement of his kingdom is what we are to talk about. This is our agenda as believers. How do we know this? Because Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. Now I give it back to you. Now go because you have authority. Go make disciples. Go stand firm in your faith. Do not waver. Paul is continuously throughout the entire back half of the scriptures telling the church, don't give up. Keep pressing. Keep teaching keep living faithfully he had paul had one agenda to advance christ's message and his kingdom and his agenda i think this is the main issue in our world today that if is we are so consumed with the trinkets and the amenities and the things of this life that we oftentimes are of no heavenly good People say, well, Caleb, sometimes you can be so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. I think that's a silly thing. Because if you're truly heavenly minded, you're going to be of absolute and utter earthly good. You're going to be attempting to do things to advance the kingdom in your time. Advance God's mission in your life. As Christians, our focus should be on seeing God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus prayed that. He said, this is the example prayer. That's what he said. That's what we should be doing. Uh, What's the desire to see God's kingdom come? We should be looking for opportunities to preach, teach, talk about, and propel the message of the gospel to those that are around us. We live in a culture, side notes, we live in a culture where now everyone has a platform. Everybody. Because of these little devices in our little hands that we hold and we spin, which, by the way, found out I'm down by 8% on my screen time this week. Yay. Don't talk about that my wife's down 19%. I don't want to talk about that. This isn't a competition. Okay? Let's not talk about it. But we hold these little devices in our hands or sometimes we hold these things in our hands and we advance things to the masses. We teach things to the masses. We have platforms where we spend hours crafting a message, crafting an image, putting these things forward for people to see. What are you doing with your platform? Are you attempting to advance the kingdom with your little kingdom and if not we should be every opportunity should be placed in front of us that that is placed in front of us should be used to advance the glory the kingdom of god for god's glory the people we interact with should be people we attempt to persuade to be born again because here's i can promise you there will be a day when you're going to have to give an account For the things you've said to the masses. And if you've wasted your time. That's the reason the the writer of Psalms says. Teach us to number our days. That we'd be wise with our time. That we would be wise with our actions. That we would be wise with what we focus on. 
This is why Paul's mindset is different. This is why Paul, this is what Paul's mindset was. And this should be our mindset as well. And you say, well, that's Paul. I'm doing my own thing, Pastor. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says this, Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. So you have no excuse. You are called to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. We are to imitate godly men and women as they imitate Christ. This, in other words, has application for you as well. You and I should imitate Paul or God. If you've got a godly person in your life, you man, I just love how godly she is. I love how godly he is. You should try to imitate those people because this is what is going to matter. Paul said, I consider my life of no value. You know what we do in America? We think our lives are so special. We think our agendas are so special. Paul says, my life, I mean, the guy who wrote the back half of the text, my life so is of no value. If only I would finish my course and complete my ministry. Like, this is my calling as I finish the race well. To complete my ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Caleb, I didn't receive Paul's ministry. Awesome. You received one from God, though. If you're a believer in Christ, you have a ministry that you are to fulfill. You better figure out what it is. You better spend time in prayer, spend time in the Bible, reading, studying, finding out what God has for you to do. And I think that's the reason most of us don't want to read the Bible. Because we start reading the Bible, it starts pressing in on our lives that we're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm uncomfortable. I don't like this. This hurts. And we, as Americans, we don't do what hurts us. We're comfortable. Paul said, I make my body my slave. I make my body my slave. This is the Christian's ministry. To testify of God's good grace in our lives to those that are in our lives. This is our calling, First Baptist Church. This is our calling. Let's keep going in verse 8. And this, man, this has such encouragement for us. If we do what God's called us to do, look what happens in verse 8. Now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not, because people say, well, they go, see, that's just for Paul. He gets a little prize. I'm not Paul. We'll keep going. And this prize It's in like a participation trophy. This prize is not just exclusive to Paul. It's for, not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And by look forward to his appearing, we are not, that means we are focused on, I want to see Christ's kingdom advance. I want to see God do amazing things in my time. I want to see God do stuff in my family's life, in my life, in my kids' life. I want to see God advance in my community, in my city, in my schools. I want to see things happen. 
because Paul went all in. He jumped in with both feet. When God rattled his cage, and he did, the Lord Jesus rattled Paul's cage. And from that moment, he went all in. This is the reason I don't understand Christians that are lazy when it comes to evangelism. I just think it's silly. We don't talk about Christ. What has he done for you? He has saved you from hell. He has saved you from his own wrath. Paul went in with both feet. So God is going to reward him for being faithful. And not just him, but those who are eagerly looking forward to his appearing. That means we have an opportunity to get some skin in the game, folks. And if we are eagerly looking forward to his appearing, guess what that is going to be looking like? We're going to be testifying. What's the text say? Testifying to the good news of God's grace. Has God been graceful to you? Has God been merciful to you? then tell somebody about it. Stop being quiet. Stop. Just, I don't know. They're going to think I'm crazy. Of course they are. They're pagans. Amen. Come on. Of course they will. But guess what? If you keep going and you keep preaching and you keep teaching and you keep loving, guess what? They just might get saved and become a rowdy Christian with you. Come on. Woo! Talk about the advancement of the kingdom. Let's go. There needs to be a paradigm shift in the Christian's mindset. A Christian who has been set free and ransomed by God's grace and glory will not be able to keep quiet. All they will want is one thing. They will want to have one desire to witness individuals to be changed and transformed by the effectual call, the effects of a divine Savior who gives them favor. They will desire to further the kingdom of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They are more interested in the kingdom that will never fade, rot, or die than they are in advancing a political party. The appearance and atmosphere of the public square would absolutely be turned upside down. Upside down if Christians would just realize how much authority, how much power, how much ability we have been given by the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be turning the world upside down. We should look like what happened in Acts chapter 17. The early church. Listen to this. Acts 17 verse 5 through 7. But the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob. And set the city in an uproar. And attacked the house of Jason. Seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authority shouting... These men have turned the world upside down and now they have come here also. Uh Uh-oh. And Jason received them and they were all acting against the decrees of Caesar. They were saying, 
that there's another king. You better believe it. You better believe there's another king. Listen to me. Trump is not king. Biden is not king. Jesus is king. And he will have a kingdom that will never be denied, will never rot, will never fall apart, will never die. And as a Christ follower, we should do our best to advance that kingdom. That kingdom should be the kingdom that we should be advancing. Well, you know, Caleb, I'm part of the GLP. I'm part of the Democratic Party. I'm going to really push that. Like, there are people that I know that will go move heaven and earth. to. Get, they'll, they'll not come to a church service because i got to go to the GLP party because that's the most important. What is wrong with people? We have turned our little micro kingdoms into these things that we think are the most amazing. But here's what I'm going to tell you. The GLP is a wicked organization because it is not advancing the gospel. So is the Democratic Party. Come on. I'm a, I'm, both of them are bad. Right. And if you are a kingdom-minded Christian, you're going to have enemies in both camps. Because guess what? Jesus is king, not a stinking president. And if we started acting like we had authority in America, we'd have a different America, Christian. I want to see a Christian nation. I don't want to see a Republican nation or a Democratic nation. I want to see a Christian nation. I want to see a nation that bows the knee to King Jesus and loves what Jesus loves and hates what Jesus hates. Period. Period. Like I said, that's going to get me enemies on both sides. And I'm all right with that. Because at the end of the day, my allegiance is to Jesus. That's right. My allegiance is to Jesus, not to that flag. My allegiance is to Jesus. Because in 10,000 years, you know what we're going to be standing on? This. This. And if we are Christians, guess what? You're going to have a great nation. Every nation that loves the Lord well has a fantastic nation. America can be great again if we follow and submit our lives to Jesus. That's it. You want to know how we fix our nation? We repent of our sins and we trust in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the thing that's going to transform our hearts. That's going to be the thing that changes everything. Now, What does that look like for us? We're going to hold to doctrines that are biblical. And some of these ideas might fall into your political parties or your political agendas. But don't let your political party be the thing that is the primary thing. Let Christ be the primary thing. And let the political party follow Christ. Not the other way around. So as a Christian, I advance life. I want to see life in the womb and outside of the womb. As a Christian, guess what? Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. There's no such thing as racism in the kingdom of God. That's right. I hate to tell this to some people that might think, there's going to be some people in the kingdom that don't look like you. Amen? 
There's going to be people in the kingdom that don't look like you. Because they're made in the image of Christ. That's the truth. I hold to what Jesus says in the text. Jesus made one man, one woman, Adam, Eve, and he told them, go and cultivate and conquer and build and create Eden globally. Go make babies and have a good, have, have a good time. How do we know this? Because the end of chapter 2, they were naked and unashamed. Awesomest verse in the text. Love that. Because what happens? Sin enters the equation, and now we're ashamed. Now we're, oh my gosh, that's our biggest fear. I don't want to be caught with no clothes on. Why? Because we have shame because of sin. When Jesus' kingdom is established, the shame is gone. The sin is gone. So why in the world are we as Christians not trying to advance this in our time? We should try to advance this in our time. Right now, not later. Well, we'll just, I'm just going to sit on a hill and wait for Jesus to return. Heck no. Get out and run hard and run fast. What George Whitfield said, we heard it yesterday in the conference, I'd rather wear out than rust out. I'd, wear the, I'd rather wear out than rust out. Brett asked me, he said, how are you, you doing, man? I said, I'm tired. He goes, that's a good thing, isn't it? I goes, it is. He goes, it's good to be tired. A tired man is a man who is less prone to follow sin. You've been wringing your life out over the text and wringing your life out for your family. You don't have the, temp- the possibilities and temptations that are possibly there when you've got tons of energy. Right? Like at the end of the day, hey, you want to go do something sinful? No, I'm exhausted. Just, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. Is it, is it 10 o'clock? It's only 8? Can I go to bed now? Said, Listen, that's a, that's a great fantasy. What's your fantasy? I want to be in bed by 8 p.m. It'd be awesome. Be asleep by about 8.10. Be great. Amen? Anybody else? Got a couple in your room? All right, I'm just saying. This is our calling. Jesus is king. She said, Caleb, man, I don't ascribe to this stuff. Here's what my calling is for you. Repent of your sins. Jesus said it in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The kingdom is at hand. Jesus said it. Jesus said, listen, the kingdom is here. And he's talking about himself. The kingdom's here. Now, repent of your sins and believe the gospel. That's the calling. That we repent of our sins and we trust in the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for those that would believe, for the remission and the forgiveness of sins. That's what we should be doing. If you're here and you don't know who Jesus is, you've never trusted Christ, you've never repented of your sins, you've never handed the, the, the reins over to the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, he gets what he wants. Ask Paul. Paul got... Listen, Paul wasn't over going, you know what, I think I'm trying to find God. He was actually trying to kill God. And God said, oh, hang on just a second. Let me just knock you down and make you blind for three days. And Paul was like, all right, I'll follow you. I'll trust you now. He's a king. Kings don't, listen, kings don't have to ask for permission. Read the Bible. Every king that's in here didn't ask for permission to do things. They just did them. 
And Jesus is the king of kings. He doesn't have to. Listen, I've never, Jesus has not come yet to me yet. I said this a couple weeks ago. Jesus hasn't come to me. Hey, Caleb, I'd like your opinion on uh, how we should run things here on the planet. I haven't got that phone call. I haven't got that text message or email. Jesus is going to advance his cause as he sees fit. And you know how he sees fit to do it? Through us. Isn't that wild? He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some skin in the game. Go play. Go cultivate. Go make, go make trouble for the enemy and build, conquer, and make things happen. All right. Cool. So let's go do it. Let's, let's stop the silliness and let's trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right.